As the world begins to crawl out from under the rock that was the COVID-19 pandemic, people are gathering again at conferences. Today we get a recap from one of the biggest resilience-themed conferences in North America, DRJ Fall 2022. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 56 as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today I'm joined by two co-founders and managing partners of the Resilience Think Tank and presenters at DRJ Fall 2022, Lisa Jones and James Green. This week, Lisa, James, and I talk about the importance of networking at conferences, even if you're not comfortable with mingling. And I get James and Lisa to talk about their favorite speakers and share a little from their presentation about finding the next generation of resilience professionals. We'll get to my conversation with Lisa and James after this from the Resilience Think Tank. Hello, I'm Lisa Jones, co-founder of the Resilience Think Tank. In 2021, six professionals with a passion for resiliency came together to find ways to use our industry experience to provide a place where business continuity professionals could share their insight, seek help with their programs, and promote overall growth in our profession. On that day, the Resilience Think Tank was born. It's our one-year anniversary, and we are delighted by your support and encouraging feedback. We hope you will join our journey by becoming a part of the community. Follow Resilience Think Tank on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube as we celebrate this milestone. Also check out ResilienceThinkTank.com to discover great insights shared by our Resilience Think Tank community. Thank you for your support. And stay tuned as we continue to be an ally for risk and resilient professionals and champions for the teams of one. Lisa, James, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Lisa's got to be a little different for you being on the uh, other side of the podcast. You've been, you know, the occasional host over here. So now we have you back as a guest and um, I'm, I'm happy to have you both. You're just back from DRJ Fall 2022. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that, maybe do a little bit of a recap. Um, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of need for an introduction here, but why don't you both go ahead and take a, a minute or two and uh, just talk a little bit about yourselves. So real quick, Lisa Jones, um, if you have noticed, I was the person that took over uh, the 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 podcast a couple times and I'm also the voice uh in the ad so I appreciate everyone sticking in with us um even when I took over um I'm sure you were like who is this person on the on, in my <laughs> podcast but uh <laughs> so that's me co-founder of the resilience think tank <laughs> James thank you Mark James Green I am the co-founder of Illuminate Advisory and now the least famous co-founder of the Resilience Think Tank. <laughs> Lisa was apparently a star at DRJ 2022. Now you both went. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go. Um, we missed you too. We, well, next time, next time. So here's a little known fact, but I'm the only member of the Resilience Think Tank who has never met in person another member of the Think Tank. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um, the, the conference itself. Obviously, one of the the big ones here in the in the North American uh, area. What was it like? Give me a, a sense of uh, the vibe. What was attendance like compared to previous years? You know, maybe pre pandemic. 
uh, and uh, yeah, just give a sense of, of what it was like to be together again. Okay. So let me start. What I found was um, attendance was fair. I would say maybe three or 400 people, maybe. Um, what I uh, appreciated, I think people were starving to be in person. Um, and I felt a sense of uh, just an energy throughout the whole conference. People were very personable. People were looking to reconnect and connect. A lot of networking going on. Um, very easy. This is probably the, the first one where I felt, felt where people were uh, not so stuffy and stodgy, um, but very open and looking, like I said, looking to connect. Um, what, did, what was your take, James? Yeah, so I am uh, a member of DRJ's editorial advisory board and welcome to Lisa as our newest member of the editorial advisory board. Congratulations. So I clearly have some bias. Uh, But I think, you know, the first thing when you look at attendance, people need to there there's before COVID and there's after COVID. So this was the largest in-person conference I attended this year in terms of number of paid attendees by a mile. Now, if you compare it to 2018 and 2017, certainly smaller, but for 2022 biggest conference um, that I've attended, the energy and excitement, like Lisa said, was something I've never seen at a conference. Mark, as you know, most conferences, the first night they have an opening reception in the exhibit hall, people run in, grab their free drink, and run out. It's like, how do I avoid talking to anyone? Just give me my free drink and my swag. And I want to get out. Uh, In Phoenix, we were inside the exhibit hall. I was shooting some videos for DRJ and there was commotion. And I went outside. The doors were supposed to open at five. And at 4.50, there was a line of people ready to burst into the exhibit hall. I've never seen that in my career where there was a line of people to get into an exhibit hall. Uh, So yeah, the energy and the excitement was something that I've never seen at a conference. And to Lisa's point, most networking and most connectivity between people I've seen at a conference. I think people were excited to be out of the house, to be off of Zoom. I love virtual events. It's not the same. Uh, I met more people. I met more new people than I've ever seen. The hotel bar was ground zero for networking. They tried to close the bar every night at 11 and a DRJ attendee said, we're sticking around Correct. just to talk. Uh, and there were people there until one, two in the morning, just networking, meeting, chatting. So it was a very exciting atmosphere, a uh, very different atmosphere from any in-person event I've ever attended. See, you two are both extroverts and this is not why i all. like hanging I'm around i'm not an extrovert at all you, i don't know don't no, you my my no, my no. being an extrovert is fueled by sugar and caffeine and i gotta i gotta get <laughs> pumped up to do all these events and then i go hide in my room afterwards okay that's good to know because i'm the same way and that's actually worth talking about for just a minute because you talked about the energy and you talked about the networking and there's so much value in that networking and building relationships but it's easier for some people to do that than it is for others. Like for me, this is one of the things I love about Alex Fullock. He and I very clearly have stated the next time we're at the same conference, he and I are probably going to hang out, you know, alongside of the wall there somewhere and watch all these other people mingle. Cause it's just, it doesn't come naturally to me, uh, but there's real value in pushing through that and getting out there and doing that networking. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely a skill that if it doesn't come naturally, you build towards. So I know for myself, when I first started going to conferences, my goal was to talk to one new person a day. That's all I had in me. So it was three-day conference. I was hoping to meet three people. And as you get comfortable with that, you just kind of keep bumping it up where you're going to talk to a new person at lunch or at a session or at a break. And it just, I think it's, it's a, it's a learned behavior for most, most people. And as you get more comfortable, then you just keep, you know, changing the boundaries of what your goals are. Yeah. And I think from a, just from my perspective, being a woman and a shocker, being an African-American woman, um, it was it was tough for me to go into a room when we when it first started in the in in this industry and being a probably the only woman, yep. also probably being the only person of color and had to speak to older, I'm gonna call them seasoned, even though not everyone was seasoned, but older white men. How do I, first of all, I'm already being judged just by being in a room. So I already had those things that I had to manage for myself and then ultimately pushing through. Oh my goodness. Um, that was something that is definitely something that you have to learn. Um, like I said, particularly for women and, you know, we have this thing, which I hate to say, but I think we all have it, you know, this imposter syndrome of not knowing anything. Um, even though we are in these rooms and we, when we start talking to people, I think that's what, when I realized that I have, you know, have just as much to say or input or feedback that I can give than the person that's sitting next to me. So there is definitely something that you have to practice. It's definitely something that you need to be encouraged to do when, especially when you're an introvert like me, haha. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I, that's the one thing I, and that's the one thing I love about these conferences, but is that networking thing. Um, if you see someone sitting at a table by themselves and you sit down with them and they might be a little, you know, intimidated in the beginning, and then you just start talking to them. And it's, I'm amazed at the things that I find out. Um, I'm amazed at just the interconnectivity. And in the end, we all have the same questions. We're all having the same challenges. Um, so it's, that's the, best thing about going to conferences for me. I really like what you both just said, because you just taught me something. And that is, I'm not the only one who's maybe feeling a little intimidated about walking into a, a crowded room uh, or walking up and, and starting a conversation with somebody I don't know. Um, and you spoke at the conference, we're going to talk about this in just a minute, about the next generation of resilience professionals. But that's something that, that no matter how seasoned we are, to use your term there, Lisa, that we can all learn from the value of networking and the fact that your inner voice sometimes doesn't give you enough credit, right? And and it, and it brings out the doubt and you have to push through that. So I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but you probably attended a number of presentations. Um and it'd be interesting to know how much you doubled up and how much uh, maybe you split off into into different uh, channels. But who jumped out at you? Like, was there uh, a speaker or two that you just want to tip your cap to and say, wow, uh, this person really, really nailed it? Okay. So because I don't remember names, uh, there was a woman from Brazil. She did, she did a whole uh, presentation about the Central Bank of Brazil. And it was phenomenal. She was, it was the first time giving a presentation. Um, her her challenge was she was concerned because 
because English wasn't her first language. Um, so she, you couldn't tell at all. Mm. That was A. B, the resilience of their program that they have. So she works for this clearinghouse that that works with the Central Bank of Brazil. Um, I was fascinated just by the fact she said they did 350 exercises a year. Wow. Think about that. 350 exercises, internal and external. And it's required. And it's and they actually have that built into their uh, their bonuses. So if they don't hit the mark, uh, the bonuses are, are are in trouble. So I that was that was just amazing for me um, just to hear that. It's interesting to hear the different culture and their their um, their emphasis on on exercises. I'm, I was just trying to figure out how many years I'd have to work to get to 350 <laughs> exercises. <laughs> I don't even work. I don't even work out 350 days a year. So that's, that's amazing. But Mark, you want to talk about stepping out of your comfort zone, like to speak. I've, I've spoken at conferences in in other countries, but always in, in my native language to speak in a second language in front of a group of peers. That's, that's stepping out of your comfort zone. And I always love when we see people at conferences from any other part of the world speaking in their secondary or tertiary languages that they know. It's just so incredible. And like Lisa said, that's where we learn so much. Uh, A speaker who really uh, stood out for me was Ray Holloman, who I know, and I've seen him speak three times now. And what I love about Ray is every single time he speaks about something completely different, he does not retread his material. So I, I saw him first speak on DR. I saw him speak at Continuity Insights on the Nashville Christmas Day bombings. And then his presentation this year was, I think, the most personal thing he's ever shared around cultural competencies. And what does that mean in our profession? And he really walked through a lot of his personal journey. And it was the most uh, powerful session that that I attended at the conference. Now, you both also spoke at the conference. And as I mentioned a minute ago, you spoke about uh, where is the next generation of resilience professionals. Why don't you take some time and take all the time you need here to share some of the highlights from that presentation? Well, for that one, the thing I, I loved the most was the interaction. I mean, let's let's set the stage. We were we yeah. are we were at 4 p.m. Uh, yep. We were standing between people's uh, downtime as well as they're getting ready to meet with their vendors or go eat dinner with all those other things. Prior to that, there was a I think people were in what, two, two hours, two they hour were, workshop. There were there was two hour workshops before that. So the fact that people actually took the time to come in and, and we had a full room, very engaged room, uh, people asking questions, providing input. That was like spectacular because I just thought me and James were just going to be talking to ourselves, which yeah. what, is not a problem for us. <laughs> because full, full disclosure at a conference like this, you're on day three. Like Lisa said, you have lunch, you do a two hour workshop. There's a 30 minute break. Then there's another slot of one hour sessions. And I can tell you, if I wouldn't have been a speaker 
at that session, I would have been on the lazy river with a prickly pear margarita in my hand. I'm not even going to lie. So Lisa and I were, we were hoping, I was like, man, if we get five people, yeah, we're doing something right. And there was 20 people plus the room was full uh, and we had to eventually kick people out because we ended our time and people were still, you know, asking Lisa for her autograph and insight. And uh, we eventually had to, we're like, all right, it's five 15, we got to go. No, you don't have to go home, but you got to get out of this room. Uh, that that Lisa Jones um, bobblehead is is coming, I'm sure, at some point. I'm, I was there go. when a star was born. I've got the ticket. I'll put there it all go. on eBay. Um, Lisa, what were some things that, that really jumped out to you at the session? Well, a couple of things. First of all, people are, we're not the only ones talking about this, A. People are are struggling to get uh, new professionals involved. And I think this just the, it, there's a disconnect, a lot of disconnect between HR as well as the continuity professional itself. I mean, we're, our job descriptions are terrible. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, we, we, James had looked at over a thousand re, uh, job descriptions. Um, and if we're trying to get entry level people in, but we want them to have five or more experience years of experience. There were some that said, you need 12 years experience. I was like, 12 years experience? Come on. Who has 12 years experience that is entry level? That didn't make any sense to me. Um, so th that's one thing that stood out the most for me. The other thing, uh, we got some valuable or some valuable feedback from some of the audience members of how they're uh, having people enter uh the, the program. Some people are just reaching out of not looking outside the box. They're reaching outside the box to, to choose people that are not business continuity focused, you know, looking for people that are maybe risk managers, looking for people that yeah. are administrative assistants. Many people in the room, similar to us, uh, were not taught business continuity. It was, it was something that was assigned. So that, that bringing someone else with them within looking internally, um, a lot of people are doing that, um, still struggling, but it was just interesting to see that, uh, there's a need and we, we know this, but there's a need to bring new people into, into the industry. And then once they get in the industry, there's a need to give them the tools that they need in order to succeed. And I know that that's important to the three of us and to add Melena too, as the other managing partner of the Resilience Think Tank, that is part of our core. That's that's what we're all about. <clears throat> and sort of an extension of that, uh, you were talking about stepping out of your comfort zone and, and speaking and so forth. Uh, James, we just put up um, our one of our, I guess it's our most recent uh, article on being a guest conference speaker and how to succeed at that. And, you know, that's um, definitely stepping outside of the comfort zone for some people. Yeah. And I think that's where we as a profession, we need to consider new conference speakers as mentees. And it was really interesting. We had, we had a point in the session where we asked the audience, how many people in the room have a mentee? And everyone's hand went up. And then we said, how many of you have a mentee of the opposite sex? And most of the room hands went down. And then we said, how many of you have a mentee of a different race? And by then there was only two or three hands 
up in the room. And I, and I think about that when we think about conference speakers. To be a new conference speaker, you don't really know where to get started. You do need help. We all had help. And, you know, so we encourage people to mentor people in how to be a conference speaker, but also mentor people in how to be a conference speaker who don't look like you. One of the things we've been talking about for three years in this profession now is the diversity of voices at conferences. And that happens when we have diversity of speakers, but that only happens when we mentor diverse speakers to to come into to where we're going. Right. And I would also like to challenge, uh, particularly are the sponsors of conferences, you know, when they, you know, the platinum, bronze, Mm -hmm. silver, um, to not just put the same people up to speak all the time. I mean, even if, I mean, just because you're the sponsor doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the one that presents. Encourage some of your clients to be, you know, diverse people within your in your client base to, to represent your 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 organization or just given that opportunity for someone else that may not have that opportunity um, normally. Exactly. Yeah. And we're starting to see some of the sponsors be mindful about yeah. that. And this was the first conference where I saw some sponsors speak about that from stage. But now it's time for that next step to take action on that. Yep. If you had to guess how many of the presenters, would you say were first time presenters? I'm going to anecdotally, I'm going to say overall very low, but the highest I've seen in, in a very long time, the number of first time speakers I saw was the most I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So trending in the right direction, I think, but still way, uh, way too low. Well, let me throw this out there. So the the article about being a, a conference speaker is up on uh, our website, resiliencethinktank.com. If you've never spoken at a conference before and it's something that you think you'd like to try, I would encourage you to do two things. First of all, read the article. And then the second thing would be reach out to any one of us and we will help you. Absolutely. I mean, To the point where even if we did a panel and your first time on stage was as a member of a panel, we would, we will do what we can to help facilitate that. Um, I liken it to the first time I sang karaoke. First time I sang karaoke was with a, a group of people and somewhere between, I think we sang the song Jackson by Johnny Cash and, and June Carter, which I won't do any of right now. But somewhere between I'm going to Jackson and I'm going to mess around, I was hooked on karaoke. And now, man, you want me to sing a karaoke? All you have to do is just show me where it is. And once you get a taste of it, you could find out that you really, really like it. And so uh, I would be uh, very willing to, to help people with that. I'm bringing karaoke next time. If you so start singing it. right yes. now, Mark, this will be your most downloaded episode. <laughs> ever. But seriously, I think people forget, you know, you look around and you see Lisa or Mark or others on the main stage. We didn't start. None of us started on the main stage. To Mark's point, my first time was I was panelist three on a panel. And I think I said 12 words and it was probably a disaster. But you build up from there. You go from panelist to panel moderator to 
breakout session to general session. There's a, a progression. So certainly if you are new to our profession and, and you want to be a speaker, reach out to us and we will do everything we can to help you. Yeah. And I would encourage anyone who has mentees to consider using your mentees as part of your panelists. I mean, you can introduce them uh, through presentations. Yeah, that's a great idea. Now, we're all speaking at BCI World here coming up shortly, uh, depending on when you happen to catch this episode of the podcast. And you two are on the same stage again, aren't you? We are. We talk a little bit about what, what you're presenting at BCI World. So we are presenting on the topic of leading as a team of one. And to show our true resilience, we will be presenting live. Lisa will be in the United States and I will be in London. And we are going to do an across the pond live session. So fraught with peril. Hopefully we've sharpened our resilience in our BC plants. (laughs) No pressure at all. No pressure. (laughs) And I'm also speaking uh, physically in London at BCI World. And uh, mine is actually a comparison of a business continuity and resilience program with the game Fortnite and see if this sounds familiar. You're dropped in as a team of one. You have to gather resources as you go. There's enemies or risks, at least everywhere you turn. And the storm circle is closing in. And I'm going to be talking about how that sounds a lot like a lot of uh, business continuity programs. And I'm going to be doing a fair amount of coaching of some things that you can do uh, as a small team, maybe a team of one and uh, how you can collaborate with people, build resources and uh, build up your own brand to be successful. So I'm looking forward to that as well. All right. Let me give you two the last word, uh, sum up DRJ fall for us. Uh, and uh, I'll get you out of here on that. I would say uh, for me, it was energizing And it was exciting to see so many first-time speakers and attendees at an industry conference. Yeah. And for me, the networking was very valuable. And I hope that we can continue to start to, you know, meet in person even more, continue building on those relationships and, you know, just continue to elevate our our profession. Thank you both. You know, I appreciate you so much and uh, glad to have you and uh, we'll chat again soon. I want to thank Lisa and James for joining me this week on the podcast. And thanks as always to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring The Resilient Journey. Stay in touch with the Think Tank at resiliencethinktank.com. And please share our work with younger professionals as we work to strengthen the future of the industry. We're serious about finding someone who has never spoken at a conference. So if that's something that interests you, please reach out to the Think Tank. Next week, we have a deeply personal story of courage and resilience that you won't want to miss. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.